Hi, this is Yohei Nakajima from Pixel Beats, and we're collaborating with Creatify to launch a collection of 10,000 unique NFTs for curious explorers of the metaverse like you. If you're into Edge of NFT, you'll be into this. Yet another edge pushing project to keep an eye on. Hey, all you NFT curious listeners, give today's episode a listen, and you'll discover Pixel Beats and why founder Yohei's career may have been a close race between venture capital and dancing with the Jabberwockies. Why Pixel Beast Roadmap is inspired by jazz, and why Creatify is laying the railroad tracks toward an easy button to create, buy, and sell NFTs. All this and more on today's episode. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top one percent of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored spotlight episode features Yohei Nakajima, the artist and developer behind Pixel Beasts. The generative NFT collection with curious creatures exploring the metaverse, looking for friends to play with. They like to build, share, and collaborate on cross NFT utility tools. Yohei is an early stage venture capitalist who is known for hacking together prototypes of various tools and sharing the process. He literally wrote the code for the open source Tango NFT project. With Pixel Beasts, he is bringing together a community of VCs, founders, and collectors' interests in learning about the Web3 ecosystem alongside him. Yohei, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really it's a privilege. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome to have you here, man. And you know, I have the privilege often to have a little chat with some of our guests before they come on the show. So I got a sneak preview of your background and what you're up to, and I'm personally really. Excited! I think when a lot of people think about venture capitalists, they don't think of hackers that are going in there and creating code and tools for developers and all sorts of cool stuff. So、um, you're definitely cut from some different cloth, which is is what we like to see in the NFT world. So tell us, let's just start from the beginning. How did you hear about NFTs and how did you get involved in all this fun stuff? Now, being a VC, obviously, you know, crypto been tracking for a while. You know, DeFi, Bitcoin. I was aware of CryptoKitties and CryptoPunks back, but really started, you know, paying attention. I think around February when there was that kind of initial bump, and you know, even went through the process of like going through minting. You know, looked up mintable, rareable, cargo, OpenSea, and like went through the process of going through, actually, just you know, minting a test NFT, and that was around I think February. It's really fascinating to just kind of hear you speak it out loud, right? That we've kind of all been through the same journey, right? And it's really, it's kind of like everybody. Got set on a foot race, you know, at the same place, and you know, some people sifted through the information more quickly and got their bearings quickly, and and you know, some people sort of had a little bit of a head start because of their background. But yeah, it's been an interesting journey for everyone. It's literally just kind of searching for information, making connections with people that might be useful, and and also playing, you know, playing, getting your hands dirty. Where did the idea? For pixel beasts come from? Is that something that that's been in your head for a while, or did it just pop in there one day in the shower? No, no. To be honest, I think like pixel beasts exist. Like I made the first drawing before the concept existed. I have always been a doodler, so I, you know, if you look at my notes from class, it has little animals on the side. I don't have the attention span to draw a really huge piece of art. Lots of respect for true artists who do. I've been doodling my whole life. And I've done a lot of pixel art too. So then, when I was looking up CryptoPunks, I, you know, I got fascinated by this idea of a 24 by 24 canvas and like how little you can do in it. So I thought, you know what, that sounds like fun. Sounds like something I could do before I go to bed. And sat down, opened up Photoshop, thought I'd draw for like 15 minutes. That turned into like a four-hour session where I ended up drawing like 200 layers. And then the next night, I was like, well, I have enough layers. I might as well see if I can write some generative code. And next thing I knew, I had all the working pieces for 10K project. Beautiful. Just curious, like. Where do you write the generative code? Does it happen in、uh, like a JavaScript、uh, application or something like that? For Pixel Beast, I wrote it in Python. There are some really cool projects that are taking the actual 
kind of transaction address and generating art based on that. Really cool. I'm not doing that. I'm generating all 10,000 ahead of time. And then you're picking one random one when you make, which is also true for other projects. Right. That's cool. Yeah, man. So you mentioned 10K projects. So this is some, some lexicon that, that's uh, becoming more and more common now. You know, all these, these projects are doing that. Is that how many unique NFTs you'll be generating from the project? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be doing 10K. You know, a lot of it was inspired by CryptoPunk. You know, the backgrounds are not an attribute. It's 24 by 24 pixels each. It's pretty hard, black, bold lines. Yeah, there's some big inspirations there. What are some of those fun attributes, man? Like, And also, one of the things that I think people are becoming more and more aware of are the visible attributes and the invisible attributes. Like, what are the things behind the scenes that are driving rarities and whatnot? What can you share about the attributes? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, just having followed the space, there's been so many exciting ideas. Loot, obviously, was a big one that we all saw. And I think that was kind of an inspiration for adding a lot of what I call invisible attributes on the pixel beasts. But in addition to the visible attributes, which is 41 base beasts and you know visible attributes like hats and shirts, I have six invisible attribute types. And these are, I call them invisible attributes because you can't see them in the image, but you can call them with an API and, and get the data. My favorite by far is that each pixel beast has a best friend and a nemesis. So that's 5,000 pairs of best friends and 5,000 pairs of nemesis. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it, but I think there's a lot of fun things you can do. We've talked about doing an airdrop of 5,000 pieces, but you have to get there before your nemesis or doing some sort of reward if you collaborate with your best friend. So it forces you to go find strangers across the internet to like find, you know, to win stuff. Love that. Yeah. It really drives the community element of it in ways that, yeah, like you said, it's undefined. Like who knows? It can do all kinds of fun things. We have the six basic kind of Dungeons and Dragons stats, you know, strength, speed, whatnot, you know, which are all three six-sided dice rolls. They have a class, mage, thief, warrior. They have an element, fire, water, air, earth, a habitat, which is based on Magic the Gathering cards, island, plain, mountain, forest, swamp. And then they have one dice roll each of a D4, D6, D10, D12, and D20. And again, I kind of put these in without knowing what I was going to do with it. But part of it was I just wanted to pack it with attributes so that we could build cross NFT utility later. If somebody is building a game where all you need is one of four elements, they could, in theory, just swap out the address and let Pixel Beats play that game as well. Yeah, man. You know what it reminds me? And I think we've talked about this once before of a character development and screenwriting where you develop an entire backstory right to this character. And you only see this character in front of you doing the things within that you know half hour, hour that you're seeing them on a show or a couple hours in a movie, right? But there's an entire history usually written about them and that fills them with reality, basically, right? This reminds me of that, right? When you're talking about these things, the, the hidden attributes and whatnot, and, and just how deep you could really go with that if you wanted to. You could look at core values, right? I know Gary V's NFTs, a lot of them are rooted in, in these individual values. But what about the entire set of core values that drive a particular you know, character, if you will? Is it, is it empathy and, you know, or, or other things? You know, I don't know. There's something really It's funny fun you brought there. that up because I did find a huge list of personality traits for non-playable characters. And I did consider putting in personalities into the pixel beasts. But upon thinking through the process of purchasing one, and I wanted people to kind of feel ownership of it, I just kind of felt like I wanted people to add their own personality to it. So I decided against the character, uh, the personality traits as an attribute. Right on. Makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. And let's sort of go into the roadmap a little bit. Give us a sneak peek at some of the benefits and utility that you're you're conjuring up for owning one of these pixel beats. Or maybe not only one, but 20. So I'll start by saying, let's not call it a roadmap because I've been very clear. I don't want to come up with a roadmap. I think I would much rather under-promise and over-deliver. So while my communication says there's no roadmap, you know, it's just me. It's not a team. I'm building, you know, thus far I've built all the utility myself. Uh, you know, I'm running a fund and I'm doing this. This is my side project. This is how I learn. Um, and I'm bringing people alongside me. And that being said, we will have a couple of utility pieces day one. I know in the intro, you know, the Tango project was mentioned. These were just kind of hacky prototypes. But for people who don't know, Tango NFT is a private chat room for every NFT collection that requires no setup by the collection owner. So if you log in with MetaMask, whatever NFTs you own, the collections those are in are the rooms you have access to. So if I have a more loot NFT, the moment I go in, it sees that I have that, it should gives me access to more loot room. If I go in, I type a chat, only people with more loot can see it. So on with the Robotos, Lazy Lines, what, CryptoPunks, whatever you want to call it. That was a quick hack that probably took me two nights to do. I pushed it out, open sourced it. And we got a lot of people coming to me saying, hey, I want to help build this or I'm building a different version of this. 
So going back to utilities, one of the big utilities for Pixel Beats is going to be experimenting with various token-gated tools. This is a way for me as a VC to learn about these tools and experiments. And essentially, everybody who has a Pixel Beast is along the ride with me. So we have a couple of startups we're talking to that I'm excited to announce shortly on the token-gated tools um, about being kind of the first to test them out. We have our own token-gated tool called Beastopia. This is different from Tango in that this is just for Pixel Beast holders. And then I think last night or two nights ago, I actually built Tango into Beastopia. And I know this gets kind of confusing. But what that means is within Beastopia, each collection has its own room. So if you find the CryptoPunks room within Beastopia, you actually have to have a Pixel Beast and the CryptoPunks to go in. And the whole idea came up because somebody in the Pixel Beast Discord was wondering who else in the group had friends with benefits. And this whole started a whole conversation of wouldn't it be nice to find other holders of you know, the, the NF collections you're in when you're in a certain community. So, so the Tango within Beastopia is a feature to help people find other community members that are that you're in the community with alongside others. Now the question is, which of those communities do you get to be in besides the do, do, <laughs> which other NFTs do you own that would get you into various communities? Any examples? Which ones do I own? That's a good question. I have a Robotos, I have a Koala Intelligence Agency. I have not minted my Woody's Mint Pass. And I got a couple others, like a farmer's market, a kokeshi, more loot. I love those kokeshis. I don't know what happened with that project. And I don't think people have realized how cool it is. Yeah, we have a handful of those. It didn't blow up, but I like them. Yeah, I have two little girls, you know, I mean, Japanese. So they're half Japanese. And I thought, uh, worst case scenario, it's a perfect gift for them. No, totally. They're super cool. I was just to elaborate on that, that question that I asked earlier. Just to clarify too, is there some way for you to get access to those private chat groups that you don't hold the NFTs? Are you excluded as well? Yes, it, I am. Yeah, and so it's that kind of decentralized in terms of the... I could, no, have, being in control of the code, I could give myself access to all the rooms just by giving, saying if, if it's this specific wallet ID, show them all the rooms. But yeah, it, I am excluded from those rooms. Important clarification, super cool feature that you came up with. I'm sure there's all sorts of other fun stuff that will be part of the Pixel Beast ecosystem over time. Oh man, I really don't want to, I like definitely not part of the roadmap because I haven't like even figured out how I'm going to make it happen, but I did design this like massive multiplayer fantasy board game that I really want to make happen, but we'll, we'll go into that when I get a little more details. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> it's, it's really a pixel B slash a Yohei's hacker journey. I love it. And one of the interesting things we'll go into more later, we'll actually have uh, Michael, the founder of Creatify on the show, but just briefly, why did you end up choosing that platform? Um, I think it's an interesting backstory. Yeah, well, you know, I had mentioned back in February, I went through the collection of minting a collection. It was a silly concept called, like, I think I called it the numbers collection. And it was one through 10, you know, there was only one, one, there was two, twos, three, threes. So I went through that whole process, but when I did it, I actually made a pretty significant minting error and I minted my collection twice, which means I paid like, you know, extra 350 bucks. But having the, this was my first foray into it. It was such a bad experience. And, you know, to have like made a mistake that cost me money and just thinking through other people getting into the space, I just realized this is really broken. And then I connected with Michael, you know, who were just so passionate about solving that specific problem and, and the UI and making you know, this NFT space more welcoming to other people. And, you know, he's done that before in other industries, you know, helping people take their art and sell physical products from it. So just given his background and his passion for the specific problem that I had experienced, combined with just like how excited I was for the NFT space, I was really excited to work with, work with Creatify as an investor. And then the Pixel Beast project was actually in parallel. I drew those completely separate from Creatify. But when I realized I had Michael and these guys like, you know, right by my side, I obviously went to them first and said, Hey, I, I got some art. Should we do it together? So cool. Yeah, cool. Maybe later we'll get a little bit deeper into that connection story when we bring uh, Michael on how you guys met or something. But I'm curious, like how you're collaborating with early stage startups and expanding your community at, at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, I think with the Tango project, it attracted a lot of developers. What's interesting is I don't really, I'm not a great coder by any means. Like I'm good at hacking prototypes together. So, you know, Tango is built like pretty shitty code. I use PHP because like I'm faster writing it. But what happened was a lot of devs reached out to me saying, hey, I didn't realize I could build for Web3 because I don't use any Web3 code. I just use JavaScript API to ping MetaMask and OpenSea. 
So what's great is that I have a couple of developers interested in building for Web3. And for every startup, that's a value add. So anytime a startup comes to me or come across them, I reach out, jump on a call and post about their startup to our Pixel Beast community, our Discord and say, hey, if you're looking for startups to work with, here's some fun ones I've come across. So that's just one way we try to help the startups that are already building in this space. And then on the, you know, on the investor side as well, you know, having worked pretty closely, uh, my background, I've worked with Disney on the Disney Accelerator. I worked with Nintendo for a couple of years. So I have a pretty deep kind of entertainment media VC network, half of which, you know, haven't touched Web3, but they're all interested, especially with NFTs. So I've kind of pulled them all in too. So just trying to use this as a way to like get kind of crypto curious folks kind of sucked into the ecosystem. I don't think I really answered your question. How do I collaborate with them? Oh, and then once I add value to the startup and they're like, oh, thanks for helping us promote, promote us. I just go back and say, hey, when you're ready to launch your product, like let Pixel Beast be one of the first to test out this token gated experience you're building. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's interesting too how, you know, it seems like the future's wide open for this project, but at the same time, you know, aside from a lot of the other projects we see, there does seem to be developing a theme around, you know, entrepreneurship and investment and, and tech investment, right? Even though it's like a potentially like a character based, you know, role playing game at some point, there's also the sort of this piece of like bringing the community together around, you know, tech investors and people interested in NFTs from that aspect of things. So excited about that piece of it. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'd say to summarize it, it is like kind of the startup ecosystem, VCs and founders, plus I'd say the no-code ecosystem, kind of the no, because I'm, I'm a pretty big no-coder. So a lot of there's no-code tools that are building MetaMask login functionality. So those people I'm connecting with pretty quickly. So kind of a startup ecosystem meets no-code ecosystem meets like we're just learning about Web3 community kind of combined is, is what Pixel Beast has turned into. Right. You ever check out the Indie Hackers podcast? Are you familiar with that podcast? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I was trying to imagine if you'd be a good guest, right? You're, they're kind of like anti-VC over there, <laughs> but they're also pro no code, you know? So it's, it's a very interesting mix of interests yeah, for anybody who's not familiar. Definitely go check out the Indie Hackers podcast. It's basically founded by a guy who went through Y Combinator and decided, hey, I don't know if I need, you know, VC startup type of project. I could sort of just start a business that funds my lifestyle. And, and it sort of supported a community like that. Long story short, though, he ended up being acquired by Stripe, which is kind of <laughs> kind of back to the original idea. Cool stuff. Yeah, I'd love to, to, to back up for a second and talk a little bit more about the idea, the larger philosophy of not having a roadmap you know, and what that means, you know, now in the future for Pixel Beasts? Yeah. You know, I've always used this analogy for as long as I can. I, some, some people who know me will probably hate it, but I use this analogy of being a classical music player versus a jazz music musical player. And that like a really good classical music player has sheet music in front of them and they play it perfectly. And like, it's in the nuance about is where their skills are. Versus a jazz player, you set him on a stage and you can throw, you, somebody else can jump on stage and a good jazz player just jams with whatever's, whatever else sound is happening around them. And I've always like took the philosophy of wanting to be more like a jazz player. I said, there's great classical music players. My brother's one. He had like a 10 year roadmap to becoming a celebrity chef and he became one. So that's great. But I've always been like, my, my ideal next five years is like a five year plan. Like if I can guess today where I'm in five years, I've failed. So I'm bringing that whole philosophy into Pixel Beast with me. If I can tell you what Pixel Beast is going to be in five years, I fail. Because to me, the unexpected is the most exciting. Right. Well, one of us is a jazz piano player. So you're talking to the right crowd. That's right. Indeed. That's amazing, man. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, I think I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm having a ton of fun with it. And I think a lot, you know, the people who've jumped on board are having fun with me. And, you know, I mean, Web3 is going to be a lot of places. So we'll, we'll figure out as we go. There's just so much information. So having people to learn alongside was, has been really nice. Yeah, man. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. The other aspect I appreciated about what you're talking about is that you are an investor um, and, and sort of there, there are these sort of negative stories or tropes about the VC world of kind of, you know, folks that just want to give you money and then own you or something like that. Right. And, and they don't necessarily know how to do anything that you're doing. And it can, can be kind of oppressive. So it, I think it's really fun to see that you're getting your hands dirty, just like anybody else would who's starting a business and you're very interested in the tech and how it works. And yes, you might not be a pro at all the details, but you're sort of leading by example, uh, by creating in front of everyone. Uh, definitely appreciate that that aspect of all this. Yeah. And, you know, my goal is to just share as much as possible. So like pretty much all the code I write will be open sourced. All the templates I use for design will be open sourced. 
hopefully it'll help some other people who run projects like, you know, find inspiration to help theirs. Another utility, again, like it's like Mike Williams talked to in a second is always like, yo, hey, you need to put all the utilities in one place. I'm like I can't because I come up with new ones every day. But we also decided to do a weekly Beastopia. So it'll be kind of a weekly event in a virtual setting that you can kind of walk around with and meet people. So we found a couple of platforms to run that. So that's another utility we'll be doing. Again, I'll probably do some office hours. I'll find some VCs and friends to do private talks. Nice, man. Yeah, it should be good. It's amazing stuff. Well, look, man, we, we've been talking about this, you know, project and everything you're doing, all the associated projects. But but let's take a step back and you know, you put your uh, VC hat on for a second, and let us know like what other projects or platforms that we didn't touch on today are getting you jazzed. Like, what are you pumped about? I'll be honest. If I put my VC hat on, part of me is like, like NFT ecosystem is so so challenging to track. Right. But I have a very clear eye on like which projects I like as like an individual. I don't know how to look at NFT projects as a VC, NFT startups and technologies. I know, but anyways, as a, as an individual, Cool Cats is definitely my favorite blue chip. I just love the community. I love the drawing. You know, I love cute stuff. So on the blue chip side, you know, respect apes and punks, but Cool Cats is my favorite. And then I'm a huge fan of what Woody's is doing. I just think the way they communicate, there's something about like, you know, I think in entertainment, building entertainment brand, there's something about not letting people. See behind the curtain and trying to give people like a magical experience, and I think it's really hard to do that because NFTs are all about authenticity. So people want to hear from the developers on the challenges. But having looked at a lot of projects, I think Woody's done a really good job of consistently communicating as a brand, and I never feel like I'm peeking behind like the curtain at Woody's. And I think they're doing a pretty good job with that. Nice. Well, we'll keep an eye out. Look, man, we're also going to keep a big eye out for everything that's happening with Pixel Beast. Really excited about it. But for the moment, we want to do is to get your personal perspective on some things. And we got these questions called Edge Quick Hitters. We'd love to dive in on them. They're kind of a fun, quick way to get to know you. 10 questions. And we're looking for short, single word or few word answers, but you know, feel free to expand if you get the urge. All right. All right, man. Let's do it. All right. Question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? So I'm not sure, but the first thing that popped to mind was magic cards, probably Mirage edition, like a pack of magic cards. Quite appropriate. Yeah. Question number two, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? I'm pretty sure it was also a magic card. I'm pretty sure it was a nightmare, actually. <laughs> what made it a nightmare? No, like the, the card was a nightmare. <laughs> oh, the nightmare card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Perfect. M-A-R-E, yeah. Ron, what age would that have happened and who would you have sold it to? Like, that would have been elementary school. I don't know if it was for real cash, but I remember get, getting a nightmare in a booster pack and I was really excited, but like I didn't play black. So, and my friends really wanted it. So that was like the first time I like got something that my friend wanted. And like, he, yeah. So I remember a trade happened. I just remember that specific one, like getting a really rare card in a booster pack. I didn't play magic. <laughs> Speaking of being like a kid and like trading and selling things and not knowing exactly what's going on. I have to bring this out in an episode and this is the right time, I think. My son, who's three years old, made his first purchase the other day. We went to like a resale shop where they have like, you know, like housewares because we're doing some remodeling in our house. And he found these little trinkets. They were just kind of like little treasures, you know, these little golden things that you put on stuff. And he found one. And he asked if he could buy it with his dollar that he had because they were one dollar. We look at things for the dollar. But he asked his mom, hey, like, can I have two? You know, and at first she was like, no, you know, it's one dollar. For one of those, you can only have one. And I said, hey, buddy, well, why don't you just ask them, right? Ask them if you can have two for $1, right? And so we took him up to the front and he asked the guy who was on staff there, can I have two for $1? And sure enough, they gave it to him. So his first purchase was a bargain. And wow, uh, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. That's a good first purchase. Yeah, yeah, totally. We've had so many amazing people on the show, including yourself, share their first purchase. So I think Ethan really wanted to make sure that <laughs> his son had a cool story. We got to document gets that. On a, gets on a show like this in 10 years. Yeah. All right. Onward and upward. You will have to remind him of it. Question number three, what's the most recent thing you purchased? These days, I feel like all me, like the first thing that popped to mind was a bowl of sushi because I had it for lunch yesterday. I was just craving sushi and I went out and got it. Nice. 
Yeah. Uh, I feel like, yeah, we don't, we don't get the literal most recent thing people purchased <laughs> often, right? Maybe if we want to really elevate like the, the craziest thing, but we appreciate it. I just automatically paid my gas bill. <laughs> that's, that's what we want. What did you actually do? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we yeah, Roboto's koalas, yeah, those, those uh, couple open sea purchases. Exactly. Question four, what is the most recent thing you sold? The recent thing I sold is probably like big, big thing I sold is probably a car. We got we got rid of a car, so I'd say that's a pretty big big thing. Notice the trend, yeah. We had a few guests recently moving cars. Uh, was it a Tesla? <laughs> no, it was not. It was a Prius, actually. Okay. Similar vein. Uh, number five, what is your most prized possession? I don't have many prized possessions, but I have this pirate ship that's behind me that's been sitting there for six years now. And I like just feel like I can never move it. I've been remote for six years. So everybody I work with has seen that seen a pirate ship. All right. This is also something I have to bring up that's kind of interesting here. So I've been noticing that pirate ship in your background. And of course, because we're all into crypto, we've probably seen Michael Saylor, right? Like talking about crypto and Bitcoin and stuff. If you ever noticed, there's always like an actual ship, right? Like in his background. Have you noticed that? So I think that you know Michael Saylor's seed phrase. That's what I think. And I think it's got the word, <laughs> I think it's got the word it's ship the in ship. it. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Moving on, guys. Okay, question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Buy some big piece of land in nature. And would you get the digital equivalent to that as well? I'd be open to it, but no, it's okay. I don't I don't need it yet. But there are some cool companies. Fabrica Land is a startup that was that's doing kind of digital titles on the Ethereum chain. Oh yeah, I totally know those guys. Oh, do you? That's cool. Now on this piece of land, would you want to just enjoy that land or, or build a home on that? Yeah, yeah, build a home. I think uh, you know, I mean, if it's big enough, if I if I had all the money in the world, absolutely, build a home, build a place for people to stay, but like a little bit far from my home, and then a place for people to hang out, and then do some you know organic farming. Make sure I have really really fast Wi-Fi. Where in the world do you think it would be? Sort of like. Uh, United States? Uh. Yeah, I like being near big bodies of water. It doesn't have to be the United States. I feel like somewhere like New Zealand would be beautiful too, but family is in the US. So yeah, I don't know. A lot of discussions to to happen to decide, I guess. Maybe in the near future. I would do California too, just because got a lot of family down there. Yeah. All right. Well, once you buy it, we'll be showing up. So All right. be prepared. <laughs> We're ready. Question seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? I'd say just being happy all the time. Awesome. Question eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? I wouldn't mind if they were a little less sloppy than I was. Are we talking about sloppy code or sloppy, <laughs> yeah. sloppy house? Sloppy code. Like, the house is pretty clean. Not that sloppy. I, I mean, I wouldn't really change anything. I like my sloppiness. But at the same time, there's definitely beauty to finished products. I'm just much more of a quick hacker. So I have a lot of working prototypes that haven't been polished. Is your desktop reflective of that? You have a lot of tabs and uh, a lot of icons on your desktop? Or uh... I have a couple of folders on my desktop that have dates where I moved everything on my desktop into that folder. Same. <laughs> Josh, take a cue. That's great. I love that. <laughs> it's not organized. I have like folder that says like October 2020. And it's like when I put everything in my desktop and stuck it in there. <laughs> Anybody use Stacks on a Mac desktop? It's pretty awesome. Like it takes all of the jumble that happened to be on your desktop and it just puts it in little stacks of like, you know, you know, here's images and here's videos and here's whatever. And it cleans it up. Oh, I might have to play with that. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's like you realize that it, none of it needs to be there in the first place at all because it could just go over there and sit in little piles and you don't even look at it anyway. So awesome. Uh, okay. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I had breakfast with my two-year-old. We had oatmeal and my four-year-old was still sleeping, but I think she's awake now. I hear her. Nice. Nice, solid brekkie there. Question number 10. Last one. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Got a big day full of meetings with founders. Some in our portfolio, some not in our portfolio. So it's always a good day. Any, anything in the blockchain NFT world outside of your project? We have a couple. Yeah. I mean, I've met a ton of founders in this space just in the process of launching Pixel Beast and Tango. So there's, there's a couple founders in there in the crypto space. Yeah, a nice little side benefit of being in the space directly and going down the rabbit hole. I mean, this is this is what it is, right? Like if you look at VCs, a lot of VCs run a community. It's it's a mailing list. It's a Slack channel. Mine just happens to be a NFT community. 
Right on. Well, guys, I think we will first thanks for indulging us there with your answers and, and quick hitters. Always a fun time and good way to, to get to know you a little bit better. And I think we have a, a couple hot topics we can hit actually before Mike uh, joins us. Ethan, I know there were a couple of fun things happening in the Twitter, TikTok, Dapper Labs world. Right. Uh, if we wanted to, to talk about those. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about TikTok. TikTok launched its first creator-led NFT collection featuring Lil Nas X, Bella Porch, Brittany Broski, Curtis Roach, and more. Inspired by the creativity and innovation of the TikTok creator community, we're exploring the world of NFTs as a new creator empowerment tool. Today, we're announcing our first ever NFT collection, TikTok Top Moments. Hmm, a little bit. Sounds a little bit too much like Top Shots, but that's okay. Designed by some of our community-defining creators and inspired by the trending videos they created. All right, well... Okay, they're jumping in. Dude, that's funny. <laughs> Top moments. Yeah. I mean, look, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? I wouldn't say they're stealing anything here. Right? We're not talking about the underlying tech, but it's right. TikTok Top moments. That's, yeah. that's funny. They should call it TikTok's Top Moments Aping In. <laughs> so they should call <laughs> right. it. Hey, hey. <laughs> It makes sense, man. This is like TikTok is like leading the way. Like um, their algorithm is crazy. There's so many users, so many followers. There's so much uh, attention. It just makes sense that they would incorporate NFTs into the mix. They're also relatively fast moving and I think an innovative company. Uh, one of the things I was talking about on the panel earlier today for NFTCom was you know the difference between a company uh, building a you know, a crypto native solution from the ground up versus an established company, you're trying to incorporate it, you know, into the business and, and bringing with it a lot of the following of its community and the infrastructure of a big organization and you know, just the pros and cons of it. And I feel like TikTok, even though it's been around a minute and is a big company and doing a lot of things, has demonstrated capability to evolve quickly and iterate and deploy stuff that its community wants. And I think NFTs are, are right in there. We'll see. Time will tell about how well they do that. But I think this is a great first start. Totally. And, you know, I think in a similar fashion, what Twitter has been doing, I think recently they announced that they're going to have a way to authenticate that the what you put up as your profile picture is actually, you know, an NFT that you own so that there's a level of authenticity. And I think these guys get it. They see the future, the writing on the wall. They want to be part of the NFT ecosystem, and they're trying to do it in a genuine way that makes sense to not only their traditional community members, but folks that are in the NFT space that are, you know, they like they like creativity that's collaborative. They don't want to buy things from big companies that only benefit one side. So it's cool to see that evolution occur. What do you think, Yohei? Are you going to start NFTing things on TikTok or? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I feel like the big companies are challenged, are struggling to like get like traction in the space. I think, I think the the newer people, I feel like are getting, do get excited about kind of the launches if there's a celebrity attached, but it feels to me like the people who've been around the space, some of the whales who are moving some of the bigger chunks around, like they don't love buying into corporate run projects is, is what I've seen. Um, but I'm excited that they're buying in. I do think there's a lot of opportunity. And I think the way TikTok's doing it is, is right. I think focusing on really the creator and building opportunities for them. I did used to be a dancer though. So maybe I do have to do a TikTok NFT. Oh, nice. What kind of dancing? I was a competitive hip hop dancer in high school. Nice. That's nice, exciting. Dude. I'm assuming you were in a group. Most of the, yes. the crews are in groups. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that, man. We used to practice at midnight, like Shinjuku or in Tokyo. And there's these like big corporate buildings and all the dancers knew which buildings had bright lights on the outside because it made their windows reflective and worked like a mirror. And then you'd have a whole bunch of dance crews like dancing in like, you know, midnight outside, like these big corporate buildings. Uh, that's awesome. Dude. I love like the Jabberwock. Man, I've been a huge fan of the Jabberwockies and like I guess when they yep, first started, yep. it was like a TV show they were on that uh, I yeah, think I was introduced yeah. to them. Yeah, that's so much fun. That's cool. Somebody showed up here in the yeah, we got in somebody the, in the video here. windows. We got like yeah. a little a special guest here coming in. It looks like we do. We say hi? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, nice, I, man. I love the fact that Yohei was a dancer, a hip-hop dancer when he was younger. It reminds me of when I was a guitarist in rock bands. It's like, you know, there's this common thread of, you know, creativity and, you know, self-expression and everything from, you know, these great minds that have jumped into tech, right? It's like people want to create the new universe and empower, you know, people. 
and they came from the creative, you know, cloth themselves. So I'd love to see some videos, Yohei. You must send them in the uh, in the Pixel Beast Telegram to get people even more. Popular. I will share some. <laughs> the Pixel Beast Discord. I'm sorry. That'll get people really sick. One of the things I did during one summer when I was growing up is I took a magic class. I also think that there's an element of magic in the room when we were talking about this space and all this convergent technology. Yeah, man. So look, we do have Mike here and we're really fortunate because he is the founder of the primary hot topic that we're going to be discussing today. And that is uh, Creatify. Mike founded Creatify, uh, which is the easiest way to create, buy and sell NFTs by lowering the barriers to entry. And I think we have a, a video actually that we can show to give a little background to our listeners and then anybody that catches this on YouTube. Sounds um, good. Yeah, let's pull that up. Have one queued up. Awesome. All right, let's take a look at that. Beautiful. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I felt like some dancing. I felt like we might see some dancing come out of that. I don't know. Yo, he didn't give us anything, but I was hoping. <laughs> oh, man. That's it's a something early. else. It's a little early for that. It's a little early. That's And for those listening, you know, some things in the video that we could see there is like, somebody able to potentially purchase an NFT with their bank account or a credit card, right? Or crypto. And it looks like the main thing that's coming across in a video like that is just facilitating the usage and purchasing and transactionality of NFTs just for anybody that they don't have to really, you know, think about investigating something they don't already understand. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the 12 step crypto wallet process, you know, it's tough. It's like, even when I first started, I was like, you have to do what? And then like, you're, you're questioning, you hear all these things about everything getting hacked. And you're like, is this the right place for me to make a crypto wallet? You know, it's like, you have to do all your research, ask your friends. And then like, you know, that they scare the hell out of you with like, oh, remember this 12 or 16 character or 16 word passcode. And if you lose it, you lose everything. Like, you know, it's like Creatify is not going to scare the hell out of people. We're going to keep yourself stuff safe and we're going to let you come and create and buy and sell NFTs super easily. Yeah, man. It feels like it's something we're heavily in need of today as we try to bring more people into the fold. So well, let's, let's talk more specifically about how you know, Creatify is building you know, the railroad you know, for the NFT system. And, and also like how much does it even cost to make an NFT with Creatify? Yeah. I mean, great questions. The, for, I'll answer the last one first. I mean, it costs absolutely nothing to create an NFT with Creatify. And the railroad question is awesome because that happened almost by accident. You know, I'll just go, I'll caveat into like a, a little one minute, two minute story here where my last company was a marketplace that had about a million online stores, famous brands like Netflix, T-Mobile, Black Eyed Peas, William, Kiss, and they created over a hundred million products in the platform. And it was print on demand. So people would upload an image on a t-shirt, sell it online, done in a very green manner. And then, you know, we wrestled with the same problem. Amazon, Shopify, Alibaba all wrestled with where sometimes users don't always do what they should, right? They took, you know, images of Mickey Mouse, put it on a t-shirt, try to sell it without Walt Disney's permission. Now we all know that's a no-no. You know, as we talked about earlier, I was a guitarist in bands at a very young age. And then also ran a record label. So I saw both sides of the intellectual property, you know, value and what was right and what to do. And so I said, you know, this isn't right. You know, we should try and stop this. And when blockchain was super hot in San Francisco 2016, we started building a solution on the blockchain to help mitigate intellectual property theft. We wanted to take the image put it on the blockchain, let the whole world know that there's one source of truth. This is the image. This is the intellectual property owner. This Here it is. Here's the rules and how it can be used. Then life is much better without as much intellectual property theft. And so this was a great concept. Some people got behind it, but then the bear market came in 2018 and we kind of just put it on pause, continued with Ray John's trajectory. And then 
voila, January 2021, NFTs are really exploding. You know, we were essentially building the early version of NFTs five years ago. And what we wanted to do in January, again, I'm going to summarize this story here, is when I got the right people on the team, we looked at all the marketplaces, we got all the feedback from everyone, including, you know, guys like Yohei and everyone who struggled initially to create NFTs, to make them easily, then to buy them. You know, people are like, where does, I think Yohei's exact words were, I didn't even know where my NFT went when I first made it. I spent $400 and making two different NFTs and I couldn't find them. And how is that even possible? And my, my, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this is crazy. People, this is actually happening. And there's millions of dollars being transacted. This is an easy you know, problem to solve here. This is a UI UX, like, and you know, we'll dig down into the deep tech just to crack this. And so teamed up with the best people that I possibly could have teamed up with to build this. And then, you know, essentially our, our goal was to build a better version of like OpenSea or super rare or rareable and make it easy for people to create no cost, make it easy for people to buy no crypto wallet needed. And we did that before we even launched, you know, we had amazing investors come in like Yohei, like Cindy Bai from Capital X, like Alchemist Accelerator, number one B2B enterprise accelerator, you know, and support our mission. And what was crazy is these, these large companies, like these $800 million crypto payments companies were coming to us and saying, Mike, we love this solution you built. We want it for us. We want an NFT marketplace that has a zero cost to make the NFTs and a way to easily buy them. And we're like, okay. And so they started offering us some really good money to do this. And we started to notice that this is where it comes back to answering your question, that our value, you know, we can reach more people faster if we are building the actual railroad tracks, the infrastructure of the NFT space, than if we're just a marketplace competing with OpenSea. So we are still going to launch our marketplace because it's done. <laughs> we are going to have great projects on it. We have amazing artists. We have some of our incredible art from my previous company that we acquired. We have some name brands. But we're even more excited by empowering the masses and people like Yohei and his project and his brainchild and being the technology and the foundation behind it. Um, we think we can reach a billion people by doing this. And that's our goal. That's amazing, man. And, you know, we met a few months ago. I think it's worth sharing with our listeners. Edge of NFT is all about co-creating this ecosystem. That's our mission. And, and we know it takes a village to, to get that done. And it's been amazing talking to all these founders that really um, welcome competition. Um, we just we just had uh, the Palm Studio folks on the show, Matt from over there, and he's like, you know, there's literally just a handful of of NFT studios out there, and and there's so much opportunity to to reach all those masses. And so we were inspired to pull the trigger and have some skin in the game with Creatify. Um, and, and we're really uh, looking forward to seeing what's to come um, with uh, laying, out, laying down these railroad tracks. So excited to have you on the show today with us and want to let our listeners um, understand that this is a little bit of a special relationship here. Let's talk about the tech for a moment because it's a pretty ambitious vision you got there. Does the tech actually work? Like that's that's what people really want to know because this stuff isn't easy. Yeah. And people have been asking that for months and, you know, they're just going off my word, right? They're like, is this, does this tech really work? Is it really going to do what he says? And, you know, so on the B2B side, we've acquired a, a bunch of clients in our pipeline. We did show them some tech demos on our staging, but again, staging is different than reality. So, you know, we're getting ready for the Pixel Beast launch. Like, Yohei made the coolest 10K NFT collection. Like you can ever imagine with like this awesome utility where you get like, you can get VC advice if you're like a founder, you get more VC network if you're an investor, you can like play these fun games he's built. And so we said, okay, we cannot mess up this launch, right? We have to test this stuff to make sure it works. So that way Pixel Beast goes off without a hint. So I think it was about six days ago or so now, we, you know, we tested a project and what, what it was, was a 10K NFT project. You know, we wanted to make sure we could successfully, you know, mint 10,000 NFTs, allow people to buy them 
and just see if we could handle the bandwidth in case there was a rush or whatever. And, you know, when we launched to our surprise, the 10,000 collection sold out in 27 minutes, $1.5 million. It was crazy. So it works. We're so excited to bring that power behind Pixel Beast and all of our current amazing people in our pipeline. I think some of them we can disclose at this point. We have professional golfer turned supermodel, Holly Saunders, would, would love to bring her on the show. She's, a, she's like a famous host herself. We have Chevy Chase, famous movie star, Caddyshack, Saturday Night Live, Christmas Vacation. And we have some other really big ones that we're trying to lock down. We just got a yes from one of the top producers in all of you know, music history, especially in the 90s, John Feldman. He was a band member of Goldfinger, holds a Guinness Book of World Records for performing the most shows in a single year. It's about 380 shows in a 365-day year. And he produced albums like The Used, Good Charlotte, All Time Low, 311. We got the yes from his team yesterday. So all of this stuff is inbound, by the way. We've done zero outbound, like zero marketing. We're just trying to create massive value for the NFT space because we're, you know, NFT lifers that believe in this stuff. You know, like really crazy that we saw the early glimpses of this five years ago and then to see it kind of explode, you know, early January this year. So, and obviously I'm super humbled and blessed to have you guys be, you know, supportive as investors and having us on the show. Like it was amazing, you know, to get that support. And when I first met Josh, you know, Josh was like, super critical because he hears so much information and knowledge. Oh, well, you all do, I assume, about everything that's happening in the NFT space. And he was just trying to poke holes, poke holes, poke holes, poke holes. And you know what? He made me better. He made Creatify better. So I will never forget those early conversations. And I'm so humbled and blessed to have you guys part of the team. Like we said, let's co-create. Next question I wanted to ask you about is, you know, kind of bringing Yohei back to the conversation a little bit and Pixel Beast and you alluded to the launch. How did you two come together? And let's get into the details a little bit as we go forward here. I think it was Cindy who introduced us. Uh, Cindy's a good good friend of mine. But funny enough, I, I had uh, I'd, I'd known about Michael's last company, Ray John. I was, I was a huge fan actually of Ray John itself. So, so when I connected to Michael, I, I used to do a lot of custom printing of t-shirts in college. So um, I was pretty excited when he first came out with the, the full t-shirt screen print. Uh, I was pretty innovative back then. Very cool. I love Ray John as well. And Cindy Bai is amazing. I actually have been following her career and been her Facebook friend for several years. And I've actually been wanting to join her fund because she's an excellent investor. She has over 11, or 11 unicorns to date. You know, to get one unicorn in your portfolio at a seed stage is, is an honor and can, you know, set you free for the rest of your life. And she has 11, you know, she really has the foresight to see the future. And I love connecting with people that have this vision. So Cindy, it was an honor to, to team up with her as an early investor from Cindy from Capital X. Yeah. She introduced me to Yohei and, you know, Yohei and I clicked right off the bat in our first conversation. I was like, you know, he loved the pain points we're solving. You know, he had the pain points. I commonly, commonly reference, you know, Yohei as, you know, the ideal investor that I'd want. By the way, any startups out there, any founders, Yohei from Untapped VC is one of the most value added investors I've ever worked with in my life. I've worked with over 100 investors into just my companies alone probably thousands within my ecosystem in Yohei's easily top five, 10, like easily. Thank you for saying Amazing. That. And then when Yohei leaves, we can say other stuff about him, I suppose. Exactly. But yeah, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> How about details like on the launch? You know, when is this happening? How do I get a Pixel Beast? You know, what should I do to get my feet wet and my hands dirty? Friday, October 8th at 8.30 a.m. Pacific time is the public launch. And all you need is a MetaMask wallet with ETH in it. And we'll be getting it out there. And Beastopia, the first kind of token gate experience that I'm staying up nights to build is pretty much ready. I just need to map it to the contract. So it should be ready. Like you should have utility day one to go into this kind of private chat room with a couple other features in there. 
Yeah, we're taping this three days before launch and you seem relatively calm. I got to say calm and happy. Calm and happy. That's my thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So listeners, when you hear this, the launch will have happened, but we will be sharing all kinds of fun stuff in advance on our socials. Yeah. We'll put out a YouTube video and some other info. Yeah, exactly. So that's really amazing. Well, this is great. Like it's been great having you on and talking to you here on the show. Good to reconnect with you as always. Where should folks go to, to keep tabs on what Creatify and, and you are up to? Well, yeah, they can go to creatify.art. And, you know, sign up, follow the social medias, you know, join our Discord as well. Right now, all the hype and the magic is on Pixel Beast Discord. You're definitely going to want to get on that one. And the website there, which you can find also on creatify.art, is Pixel Beast. Is it Pixel Beasts with an S, Yohei? Yes, it's Pixel Beasts. Pixelbeasts.xyz. That's where you can find all the information. You know, we got the website live with kind of all the details and the utility. And, you know, I really highly encourage even people that are interested in creating NFTs or 10,000 NFT collections to check out the utility and the thought behind, you know, Pixel Beasts. This is something that Yohei, again, is the brainchild of, but also the Creatify team put a lot of hard thought into how we can deliver the most value to every NFT owner of a Pixel Beast. All right. Well, this is exciting stuff. And, and Yohei, is there any other uh, place you'd like folks to follow either what you're up to personally or your uh, work in the investment world? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty active on Twitter. It's probably the easiest place to follow me. I'm pretty open and candid, just Yohei Nakajima, where you can see all the stuff I'm investing in as a VC and all the fun stuff I'm doing with Pixel Beasts. Amazing. Amazing. That's great stuff. I heard we have a little giveaway that's, that's getting cooked up as well. Do you want to give a little color on uh, what we're thinking there? Yeah, so we'll give away three Pixel Beasts to the listeners of the show. And I believe we're going to be posting details on the giveaway around the time we post the show. Yeah, yeah. When we launch the video, we'll launch the contest as well. And, you know, not to say that folks should not try to to get in uh, right away, but a little bit of extra something. We'll run the contest for a week or two. And I really appreciate you uh, giving that to our listeners. I know they'll be excited and really love how you're integrating sort of founders and sort of developers into your community, they are sort of the lifeblood of the NFT ecosystem. Well, I do think it's the artists, right? Artists are there. We want the the devs and the founders to build utilities so that these artists can focus on the creative and then the devs and the startups can build the utility. Totally. And I guess I should clarify, I mean, in, in this space, the artists are the founders, right? Yes. That is the big difference between what we're doing in that world of NFTs and some of the other things where you have an artist on your team. This is a chance for the artist to rise up and to sort of, you know, take over. So our recent guest said, you know, as we get into the world of AI and machine learning and everything, the thing that separates us from the rest of the technology is creativity. And I think you're trying to sort of do something to support creativity at the end of the day. I agree. I mean, I think one of the most exciting things about the NFT space and all this attention is just how much uh, demand there is for really great artists. And I feel like this is a great quote to end on, but I feel like any world in which where people are focusing on and paying attention to artists is, is a beautiful world. There you go. That's a wrap. Agreed. Okay. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Want to help co-create Edge of NFT with us? Got guests you want to see on the episodes? Questions for hosts or guests? An NFT you'd like us to review? Drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was sponsored by Pixelbeast. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we're learning as we go, just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.